This episode of The Sleeper and the Bus is brought to you by Out of the Park Baseball 19, the best baseball strategy game ever made. Available now on PC, Mac, and Linux platforms. It's officially licensed by MLB and the MLBPA, allowing you to take any team from any era, from any level, and run it the way you want with unprecedented depth, control, and authenticity. New features for this year include dramatic 3D ballpark and player improvements, an all-new tournament mode, allowing for infinite combinations, all new scouting systems, significant AI adjustments based on the latest trends, and so much more. Even better, if you order now through the Sleeper in the Bus podcast, you'll receive a special 10% discount off the retail price of $39.99 by going to OOTP Developments and clicking on the order banner. Just enter the code SLEEPER19 at checkout. Once again, just go to OOTPDevelopments.com, click on the order banner, then enter the code SLEEPER19 at checkout for a special discount that helps support the Sleeper in the Bust. Thanks. Welcome to episode 527 of The Sleeper and the Bust. It is Monday, February 26th. I'm your host, Paul Spohr, joined by a special guest, Joe Pizapia of the Fantasy Black Book. Joe, what's going on? How the hell are you, boys? Boy, I, I assume that Justin is the sleeper, right? Because he sleeps so much. He's just kind of like a lazy guy. He doesn't do a whole lot, right? Yeah, he he doesn't work nearly enough. Right. He's definitely the sleeper. Justin yeah. Mason joining us as well, of course. Uh, he's basically asleep right now. He's definitely asleep right now, so that's why he's the that's why it's the sleeper in the bus. I'm the bust, obviously. You draft me way too high, make a bad decision there. Uh, but yeah, uh, how how have you been? I've been great, man. It's uh, fun to talk to you guys. I can't wait till I see you all in a couple weeks for our little uh, Tout Wars rendezvous. It's in you Staten will be Island us soon. I mean, it is gosh, can you get any more excited about going all the way and traveling from Austin to Staten Island? Is that not a culture shock for you, or what? I mean, I have been there. We went. Uh, <laughs> For the Fangraphs trip a couple years ago, we had our our, our like sabermetrics day at the Staten Island, um, the the team the the park whatever it is like beautiful park though sitting there on the water it was a nice day it was a lot of fun. I haven't been uh, there so yet, but I'm from New been. York, and even from New York, you don't like Staten Island. It's like you know, yeah, it's the only uh, borough that has a cover charge. You know, every time you go in there, you got to pay no matter what you do. I have I have been there, so uh, it won't it won't be too new, but uh, it'll be fun. The three of us will be be cutting it up like we're about to do now, and we're, we actually brought you on for for a very good reason to talk about the fantasy black book. In, in addition to just wanting to talk to you, of course, but uh, we want to talk about the fantasy black book, which full disclosure, somebody else on this call contributed to. Hmm, who's that, I Paul? Myself, in fact, contributed. You were so kind to invite me to do the pictures. And uh, I couldn't say yes quick enough. Definitely something I was very interested in. Uh, trying to give it some of that SP guide flavor. There's just, unfortunately, there is no longer the time to do the SP guide proper the, the way I used to do it, which is, you know, 100,000 words of insanity. But uh, this really gave me an outlet to, to put the picture profiles together the way I like to. Uh, maybe not to the same depth, but definitely to the same sort of research. You know, eight tabs open on every guy video on one monitor and stats on the other and really dive in. So uh, before we get into any specifics about pictures or anybody else, 
Why don't you tell us what the Black Book is? What year are we in? What, give us some of the background of the oh, fantasy. Oh, Lord. This is fun. This is like the history of the Black Book. Well, kids, right. all gather down by the fire, and we'll uh, get your cocoa, and we'll sit, and we'll talk. I'll put my cardigan on, and we'll have a nice little chat. We'll have fireside uh, conversation. Uh, the Black Book was uh, was <laughs> actually, of all things, it came out of me being disenfranchised with writing for other people and not getting paid. Which oh. is, you know, isn't that where all great things start? Bound right? to happen, yes. Right, Bound exactly. In industry, in any writing industry, really, not just sports writing industry. Oh, yeah, yeah, 100%. So I said, you know what, I'm just going to put a book out there of all of my thoughts and ideas and, and the system that I've used that I've been very successful with. And I thought, you know, I said, well, if Bill James sold like 25 mm-hmm. copies of his first book ever. You know, I figured maybe I'll sell like 50 or something like that, maybe 100. And then it went to number one the first year on Amazon in the genre because there really was nothing on there in that Kindle space at the time. And, you mm-hmm. know, I, well, went any, you know, beyond any of my expectations and people really liked it and understood what I was getting at with relative position value. And they, and I, and I feel your pain because, you know, this was something I did by myself for, you know, this was back in 2011 was the first one. And then eventually it spurred on into football too. But, you know, it, it's crazy because the people who have been with it from the beginning, they come back every year, they wait for it. And it really is something that separates and it's getting harder and harder to find separation because all the league host sites give you so much information. It's not like when we all started playing fantasy and you had to go do a lot of research and stat analysis by yourself. Oh, it's yeah. all basically handed to you. And that's what makes it really difficult. So how do you separate yourself? And also what I always hated about every guide is, you know, they'll give you some of the write-ups, but they don't go in depth about the stats enough about how much splits matter. Also, how much is a player really worth in a certain kind of format? And, and, you know, you get these generic rankings. Well, here's my top 100 this and my top 10, but who cares? Like that means absolutely nothing. What matters is what's the drop off and how significant is that between each of those players? And that's what relative position value does. It does in a very simple sort of uh, percentage system. It shows you exactly not just what the tiers are, but it quantifies them and it quantifies them in different formats. And it shows you exactly that player value is based as much, if not more so on format than it is on player talent. And and that that's a very key point is it's the market that you're in. You know, we talk about um, a phrase, you know, everybody has their price. And I, I think sometimes people don't fully understand that. They say it, but they don't fully realize it. And they still shy away from guys. And it's like, no, if you're in the right parameters, uh, they, they have the, the proper price. And now you've mentioned it a few times, relative position value, RPV, that is the driving force behind the black book. Why don't you take us even a step further uh, into and kind of give us, you don't have to give the nitty gritty of the math. Obviously, it's something that people would want to see more visually to kind of understand the uh, intricate math of it. But you're trying to identify where the, the, the tiers and the cutoffs are with RPV, right? Yeah, well, what's ironic is it's actually not intricate math, which is why I like it. Because I think sabermetrics are cool as much as the next fantasy baseball nerd. But it's a matter of application, right? Like, I want something yeah. that I can apply. I want something I'm that I can take. I'm not very mathy it. myself either. Right. So I, I, I enjoy it. What I always say is, I, I, I'm not a big math guy, but I like counting money, right? So, <laughs> if, if this is going to help you be successful in leagues, then it, it, you want something that's simple to understand, simple to grasp, and it's very applicable. And basically, all it is is uh, it's it's a simple percentage system. And what happens is when you use the point totals, and you know they're skewed differently for roto than they are for. Um, for points leagues, but when you when you still when you 
compare those players, what it does is it shows you the players that are in the positive, that are above the fantasy league average. So if you have an outfielder, let's say, actually it's probably better to say like a third baseman who's like that fantasy league average guy in a 12-team league. Well, you have to know any picks underneath that when you start to go into the negative productivity, you're wasting draft picks. And trying to understand fantasy sports, it's very simple when you boil it down to the core. It's about me trying to outscore you from or outproduce you, no matter what, from as many spots in my roster active as I possibly can. And mm-hmm. any players that are going to be negative and hurt me, even though they might help me in a certain category or, or what have you, or they might be really good at one thing, it doesn't necessarily help you overall sometimes, depending on how you structure stuff. So what it really boils down to is understanding how to build strength, how to how to front load starting pitching in a points league and why that's effective in roto head-to-head categories, how you can utilize effectively those single tool Billy Hamilton, Joey Gallo kind of guys effectively. And in season-long roto, how to be responsible and understand that, you know, people will say, oh, well, the, you know, position scarcity means oh, I, I don't have a good catcher or, you know, middle infield. No, outfield is the scarce position. Why? Because so many of them are starting in, in a 12-team five active outfielder league plus a DH slot, which is probably going to be from the outfield, all of a sudden you're almost, you know, 70 plus deep into that pool out of 90 outfielders active in major league baseball. So it really starts to highlight and real specific strategies. And I think that's what makes a black book different. And that's why it's grown over the years. And I'm really excited about this one with you doing the starting pitcher. It was a great win for me. And uh, Jake Seeley did the uh, outfield profiles and Sammy Reed, the DFS uh, you know, it's just it's a great fun read, and the the feedback this year has been absolutely spectacular. Okay, let, you mentioned roto and head head categories, but let's say I'm stuck in this head to head tout wars against Paul Spore. Can I use uh-huh. it in like that format, or can I use it in every format? Oh yeah, well head to head points. I mean, I, that's my you know fantasy baseball of choice. You're going to be so, my tutor I, this year. I am I'm going to be your consigliere. Mm. It's going to be very Italian. You're going to come to Staten Island. We're going to sit down. I'm going to give you a couple of cannolis. We're going to sit down. I'm going to kneecap little... both of you. Get yeah. out of here. <laughs> We're going to have little tiny coffees. We're going to drink little espressos with a little pinky in the air. Very tiny cups. Very tiny cups, all right? Your hands will feel huge, Justin. Uh, <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> what we're going to do is – what you want to do is understand that in head-to-head points, you know, the first thing you have to do is understand – where is the point structure? Are saves worth more than they should be? Are wins worth more? Are strikeouts worth, you know, trying to, obviously the first thing you do is try to uh, exploit the point system. And then once you do that, really for the most part, you know, that first round of a snake draft in a points league or in an auction, everything should be very heavy towards starting pitcher because when you have a true ace there, one of those top guys, and then you can back it up with another low end number one, what you've done is you've already set yourself ahead because now your number one is going to be better than most people's number two and so on and so forth. Every time you draft a pitcher, now you're going to basically be a slot ahead of them. And on a weekly head-to-head basis, that's going to give you a bigger advantage because those two start weeks are going to matter. And those elite guys can even carry you most of those times in those you know six or seven times a year where they have those two start weeks. So that's how you really win the points league is front-loading starting pitching. And if you could do that properly – you are going to be way ahead of the game. Okay. You guys think you're going to beat me in this. It's not, it's not going to work. <laughs> I don't know if it's you guys. I'm, I'm just trying to help Mace because he asked me. I'll be honest with you. <laughs> you know? One thing I do like, though, is that it, it is it is applicable to, to all league types. 
and formats. And that's interesting because you, you even mentioned that you said, you know, talking about how to utilize those guys like uh, like a Billy Hamilton and a, a Joey Gallo in roto formats. So it, it, it does pick that up, right? Because we're talking a lot about points and the example you give kind of shows uh, a theoretical Robinson Cano where he might have been in his peak, uh, how much, what, what percentage above the pool. How does it work for something like uh, a roto league and, and encapsulating Hamilton's steals while understanding that he's complete trash everywhere else? <laughs> well, you know, it's season long roto where I think he can be a difficult one to manage. Head to head roto categories, you know, he can win a category for you in steals by himself in a given week. So Absolutely. right off the bat, it's a totally different sort of value set. And, you know, that's why in the player profiles, you know, ours are so different compared to every other guide. You know, I haven't read Mason's yet, so I don't want to speak out of turn, but it's it really drives home about, hey, this guy is great against lefties, but he's a part time player. Therefore, he's more of a DFS option or a very deep league outfielder, you know, how, how you want to gauge that. But, you know, for Roto season long, what it does is it teaches you how to get to those benchmarks of home runs, of stolen bases and all of that and strikeouts and everything that you're looking for. But trying to do it in a responsible way where you're not robbing, you know, three categories just to pay one because at the end of the day, you know, you're just basically just moving the chains back and forth. You're not really gaining so much as you're just kind of, yeah, you're like around, right. You're just shuffling around and what you end up with is mediocre. And that's that's always my concern with with guys like that, particularly the rabbits specifically, uh, the the Billy Hamiltons, and even a D Gordon who does who isn't just the one category. Got to give him his give credit, especially over Billy Hamilton. He'll give you at least two well, and three. sometimes yeah. three with the three. runs scored. Uh, but you still have to alter your draft. So if you don't go in planning to get those guys you're having to change on the fly and that's why i'm always uh nervous about them because you're going to have to make up that power deficiency and that's that's a really big deal and so uh having something like relative position value to kind of help me figure that out navigate it and see maybe maybe it is a a worthwhile situation to do it in this league but not this league i would imagine points leagues uh are certainly expose those guys because you just you don't need the steals the steals themselves are just point generators they're they're nothing inherently special and that's why I, I don't think I ever take those type of guys in points leagues um, I want to get specific I want to talk a little bit about uh, maybe let's uh, get familiar uh, come on yes let's 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 talk about a batter and a pitcher that mm. RPV has highlighted as a buy now let me first back up before you answer uh, you can input whatever projection system you want right you, you can take steamer and then run it and then you could take uh you know you could take the depth charts projections at, at fan graphs you could take zips you could take whatever system you want and then run it that way right or your own numbers you can you could do anything you could even skew it to your own home league if you know if if it's got different kinds of quirks but what it what it really boils down to is the formula is the formula right and because it's so adaptable and and that's the other thing too i feel like most people i mean i don't know about you guys but you know my home league is a points league uh tout is season long roto uh mm. i've actually shed all my head to head roto categories because i hate them but, <laughs> but if i'm going to be in head to head which i i used to be pretty adamantly against and i've definitely come around i certainly see the value and the fun in it i want it to be points i i absolutely do i don't yeah. i don't really like the i won 6 to 4 this week i don't know it, it it's it, no i don't like it either it's it's kind of empty not, and it, and it, you know what it does, Paul? It really it it artificially bumps guys who are not good baseball players who are great at one thing, 
And I, and I, I, I hate that. I hate that it, it makes a guy like a Billy Hamilton really special or, you know, a, a Mark Trumbo really special for a season. And it's very frustrating because, you know, they might not be the best baseball player and it actually, you know, overinflates their value artificially. And I don't like that, but we all play different formats. Right. And I think that that's a failure in the industry that so many guys are very generic and they think being generic is the way to make everybody happy, but just the opposite. You have to be super specific about player profiles, about strategies, you know, about auctions versus snake drafts and how you really approach both of them. You know, people think that auction strategy is about dollar value. That's the dumbest thing. I, I can go out and I can get you 500 different sites that will give me dollar values on players or projected dollar values. That's not a strategy. That's right. a guideline. And, and frankly, uh, I find few things more <laughs> – futile unhelpful you know i don't <laughs> want to be nasty but like then then you know and magazines that i've contributed to so i'm not i'm not shading anybody outside of the industry i, I I've, I've contributed to things they put out dollar values in their magazines and i understand why they do it but that's not going to help you in an auction no. because the auction is so dynamic every auction is different we could take uh the three of us and nine other folks have an auction today do another one in two days and it's going to be completely different completely. the same 12 people two days apart we're going to have two different auctions and everything's going to be not everything but you know so much stuff is going to be completely different so that that doesn't really help me i totally agree with you there i also agree with your point earlier about one to 100 lists hate them hate top 300 hate top 100 lists i don't see any value in them if you want to do i'll give you a top like 50 because you can kind of follow that for the first, if it's 10 team league, obviously that's five rounds. You know, if you're looking at your first three to five rounds and you're kind of just saying, hey, I'm going to take these best players and then my little core there that I've got, I will draft around that. But once you start getting beyond that, there's no there's no way you can just say, well, this guy's the 71st player, so I have to take him. Even though I already have third base and corner filled, it says Kyle Seager's the best guy here. I guess I'm going to take him and put him in my utility. Well, and, I, I, yeah, but it's like that's for the wrong reason. Well, what you're trying to do also is, you know, if if that's the best player on the board and you're trying to do that, that's okay because you are you're simultaneously drowning the pool for everybody else drafting in that position and you're still, you know, you've got to strengthen them, you know, let's say the middle infield and then all of a sudden, you know, your shortstop's good, your second baseman's good and and then your middle infield positions are really good. And it's always better to have a strength than to try to just fill spots. I think that's one of the dumbest things that people do in fantasy too is they are so apt to like, oh, well, I kind of need this. Like, no, you don't need that. You need to be good somewhere because you have to find a strength on your team because having a strength means that you are able to find your way in a standing somewhere in that format of being above average somewhere. And that's what's important. Trying to trying to be, be okay everywhere else brings you back down to mediocre. But to answer your original question, RPV loves Francisco Lindor. It loves Jose Ooh. Ramirez. Those are two oh, guys that loves. Guys. And, you know, I made this point on my show on Sunday on Fantasy Network. I said – if those guys – if you took those stats that those guys put up last year and you put them in Manny Machado's body, everybody would be gooing themselves trying to draft these guys <laughs> in the top five. Am I right or am I right? Oh, absolutely because yeah. he still kind of lingers in the first – well, this year I think Machado's finally kind of fallen out. But people have been trying to put him in the first round for years right. now. Like, and I, I Because he's what they really look get. like. Yes, right? exactly. This Central is what happens. You know, four years ago, I, I put said Jose Altuve is the best second baseman in fantasy, and people they came after me on Twitter. Came okay. after me, a oh, hilarious. And then the next, and then a couple years later, when he hit for that power, and I said uh, he's a top five overall pick in fantasy, and they said you're nuts. He's five foot whatever. Yeah. 
Right. There's no way. And I said, guys. You were just showing solidarity, though, because of the height, right? this is true. He is my spirit (laughs) animal. That's well known. You know, he's one of the few guys I can look eye to eye and feel That's good. That's why I love Chris Sale. And I will just support Chris Sale and Carl Edwards. Uh, one of their all those lanky, tall Swift, guys. All built yeah. the same. So I, I got to support them, even though I can't stand Taylor Swift. But we're all built the same. <laughs> There's a but David you know, Wells joke coming for me, isn't there? Well, I, I think you I can think make you just it. made we're it. All, we're I, all making our own joke. <laughs> Uh, but you know it's 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 absolutely true you know rpv strips away a little of that and and it makes you really say okay what's this player doing and i i had flat out arguments with many of our industry friends last year that lindor would hit for power last year and guess what he hit for power last year that all the indicators are there on these guys and all of the the data is there and they're still young and they're still improving and if you don't buy into them now you're basically and they bring up altuve because if you're not ahead of this curve, you're behind this curve. And there's going to be Yeah, and there's going to be guys that are going to go ahead of Lindor and ahead of uh Jose Ramirez and you're going to turn around and you're going to miss those guys and instead, you know, you're going to take some other guy that you could find the same exact kind of value a little bit later on in the second round or even late second beginning of the third round statistically profile speaking. And we need to break that cycle of saying oh a first round guy has to be 62 220 no he doesn't he has Not to be a guy who can hit 30 and 15 and drive in 100 runs and score 100 runs these guys these guys are putting up phenomenal numbers and people need to start getting on board and a pitcher that rpv likes a lot and it's because of his consistency in terms of innings and durability and also just knowing what you're getting out of him every year is jose quintana and i think last year yeah, and you went, you know, in your profile, you know, it was very in-depth about, you know, some of the little runs and issues. I think last year it boils down to the mental aspect of all the trade talk in the offseason, I think, got in his head. And I Absolutely. think he was pressing. And I think it was just because he was so right on the money every single year. And then all of a sudden, what's different? Well, what's different is starts too. a couple bad starts and all of this, oh, my God, I'm going to get traded. Oh, my God, I'm going to get mm-hmm. traded. And, you know, then finally he goes over and I think a full year – Going in offseason with the Cubs, he's in the same city. I mean, the whole thing, that that just all works out for the best. I expect Quintana to well outperform his ADP. I, I agree, and I like all those names that you mentioned. R- Ramirez was one, a bit of a coup for myself. I can backpad a little bit. Uh, I kept comparing him to his teammate and saying, uh, no, it wasn't so much against Lindor, but I was like, you don't have to pay for Lindor. You can get the same exact production several rounds later in Jose Ramirez, and it turns out they were both excellent. And so uh, I like hearing that that RPV still loves them both this year. And they are second-round picks, but are you suggesting that maybe they, they should be in the first round, the back end oh, of the I'm, first round? I, I'm not suggesting. It, I'm saying it. How about that? Okay. How about them app? And it's and it's I really it. again. It's we're talking roto formats here. Yes. You know, in a points league, I would still go heavy starting pitchers. You know, as much as I could. But you know, it, it, then the difference is too. If you're playing in a league that's got middle infield and corner and extended outfield, you it, what RPV does is it teaches you to understand how far into those depths of those positions you have to go, and then okay, where's the line where it goes from being a positive player? To a negative player, well, I don't want to spend money or I don't want to spend early draft picks on guys that are just treading water. I want to stay above that 0% line as much as I can and keep being productive and better than everybody else because everyone's going to have a negative guy on their team at some point. Have but, to. Right. It's just part of the gig. But if you can try to do your best to not not do that to yourself early on just to fill a roster spot or to fill a spot in your lineup and understand – 
how do you structure your draft appropriately? And this is not just in draft. We're talking, you know, we're talking when you're making trades. We're talking, this is a season-long guide, which is another thing, too. Is I hate these things that it's just for the draft. Like, there's a chapter in here about being the commissioner. There's a chapter in here about trade etiquette, which is one of the lost art forms. People want to, you know, oh, just break everybody every time they send the deal. Have conversations. If somebody sends you an awful trade that's insulting, respectfully say thank you. Don't turn around and just disrespect them back because you're never going to create a relationship with that owner. See, I, I hate that. Um, so I sent him back. I sent him back uh, my three reserve guys for, for his, his first <laughs> yeah. and second round I guys. I, I showed him, right, Mason, man. Yeah. Mason's never going to send me that trade again. You know, I love that you have a chapter like that in there because I I say all the time like trading trading is a relationship. If you if you screw over your partner too many times, you're gonna end up alone. Right, that, that, and that's the, the thing too. And you can't also, you can't just go out trying to smoke f- fools. No, you can't. But you know, then you're gonna need an owner in your league when things don't go your way and you have an injury and you have a relationship with this owner and you can say, hey, look, I'm in a bad spot. You know, what can we work out? And and it's and it, everyone's trying to win the trade. Instead of create win-win trades, and I, I you know, well, but and that's why I think the, again, why why is the black book different? Well, it talks about this stuff, and and like I said, there's an entire chapter about how to how do you deal with the essayist, as I like to call them. You know, the person who writes you a trade and writes you <laughs> like a page letter about why you should do the trade, as so if well, like, about how bad the players that he wants, he or she wants are, and you're like, if they're so freaking bad, why do you want them? And you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna sit here and fall on the sword. I used to do that. I would send those emails, and they would be these detailed, right? <laughs> these diatribes about how garbage the players that I'm getting are, and how amazing these piles of crap that I'm giving you are, <laughs> and uh, and then I would wonder why these people didn't want to do the trades. But no, I I couldn't agree with you more on the whole aspect of trading and how it is a relationship. And I understand that with the technological advances, you're not always going to be getting on the phone. Although in one of my NL only league, my NL only home league. Uh, we have several people who they they're older guys. They want to get on the phone. They want to talk for for fifteen, twenty, thirty minutes. You know, you get on for ten, fifteen. You really start going. Uh, next thing you know, you have an hour long call, and and you're like you said, you're building a relationship, building, you're expanding the friendship. Right. Uh, you don't have to do a cold email or a cold text. And please, if you learn anything, just never be this guy. I'm interested in your player. Make me an offer. Excuse you, mf'er. If you're interested in my player, do not, under any circumstance, tell me to make an offer. I will shiv you in the neck. Nice. I actually, true. I, I, I've I written articles on trading about that. It's actually in your best interest to offer the first offer because that's typically where the framework of the deal comes from. Right. right. Yeah. It's it just all, the whole thing is. Trade. Yeah. Well, but I mean, the, and this is a problem, and this is one of the big issues in fantasy. The other issue is, you know, being the commissioner and running the league and understanding how not only do you have to be above board, but also, you know, uh, uh, you know, unfortunately, a lot of times you have to put your personal interests to the side mm-hmm. and how difficult that can be. And understanding what you're getting into when you're running a league. And, you know, it, like, it, like I said, what I try to do with the Black Book is very unique and it's not – you know, it's not like other draft guides because most other draft guides don't prepare you, number one, enough. They they don't give you enough diversification in your preparation. And I'm, and we do DFS, too, and we do it hardcore in here. I mean, Sammy's DFS chapter in here is just freaking awesome. And yeah, I think it comes down to understanding all these players, wh- how good they are in different 
formats, why this guy's good here, but not as good there. And really, you know, what I always found is there used to be a draft guide, I forget what it was, but it's not around anymore. And they used to give you every split in it where like home road, lefty, righty, everything. And to me, that was the true story of what a player's season was. And that mm-hmm. to me, I think was lacking. And there's not enough of that in a lot of draft guides where they really go into it. And I'm really happy that we do that. Well, and the one thing I love about being part of the Black Book is um, something that you've been hitting on is that it's not just a draft guide because the draft is unquestionably the best part of the year. We all know that. That's the best day of the season. And uh, I think, you know, we've seen analyses from like Jeff Zimmerman, Todd Zola and the like about uh, the fact that you get like 75 to 80 percent of your of your stats from that. So it's obviously super important. But there's also six months of time that uh, that's really going to determine if you're going to win the league or not, because you can have a great draft. And then if you are a, a negligent owner or just, you know, maybe not even negligent, you're trying, but you're but you're not trying well and you're not doing well enough then you're not going to win the league you're not going to you're not going to bring it home so the six months there is still value even though you know some of the data is going to or some of the profiles are going to be outdated you know we're going to not necessarily going to have the uh the right points on somebody on a pitcher because he changed his pitch or whatever you said but you can still reference some of the say prospect stuff when somebody comes up like i'm big on aj puck this year he comes up you go flip see did anything mm-hmm. get written about aj puck boom i know this guy from oakland let's go bing so right. uh that's one thing i really love about the black book uh having been previously a reader and now a contributor is that it definitely works for a full season situation yeah and and we, we play so many formats i mean you know like uh, my dynasty league i have to have such a big knowledge because it's so deep it's 24 teams in that dynasty league with 10 minor league spots we have to do so much you know minor league knowledge that like every year when the first year player draft comes out i i review the entire first round and not like you know i watch like you say you know i watch the footage i do those things i, I try i try not to give you the regurgitation of other things and i also try to make real applications like everyone says you know, whenever somebody compares a player like, oh, he's like, you know, he's like Mike Trout and this I'm like, shut up. No, he's not like, you know, <laughs> that's the one, you know, when you watch the draft special every year, you know, everybody wants to compare everybody to, to some like superstar guy, especially Harold, oh, especially <laughs> Harold right? yeah. all the time. <laughs> and you know what? Like, there's nothing wrong with saying, you know, this guy at his peak is going to be Shannon Stewart. You know, yeah. Shannon Stewart was a pretty good, useful fantasy player. Damn for a couple solid of players. player. Yeah, right. it's 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 okay to say this guy's a, a Brad Radke in the making, a real right. solid He's the next mid Jeff Oh, okay, yeah. I understand what that is. That's fine. <laughs> like those guys put together like solid major league careers. No, but you're right. It's it's always. You know, we got another Ken Griffey Jr. on our hands. I'll tell you oh, what. I mean, he's off. just like one tweak away from being better than Junior. Come on, Harold. This is why you got kicked out of MLB the show. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Apparently they had scheduling conflicts. I'm kidding. I'm not trying to start rumors. He is out of the game this year, but it was because of scheduling and Mark DeRosa's in. Uh, but Justin, you got a question for us? Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, you gave us kind of a guy that you, you – or a couple guys that you really like because of RPV. Who are some guys that you don't like because of RPV? Well, you know, what RPV does, you know, it, it takes projections into account, but then also does the previous year – and if there's enough data on the players, three-year averages. So what it what it will crush is some of the you know the peak one-year guys. Like it'll it'll crush a guy like a Rick Porcello. It'll send him you know way down the trough. It'll it'll also yeah, and, and it'll also you know sometimes limit your expectations of young players for the equal reason you know because you don't have a much track record. So what I'll do is I tend to factor in more double A stats than triple A stats because to oh, me that's. Man. 
more indicative of a player, especially because half of them, when they're in the PCL, you can't you can't go by any of those anywhere. They're completely phony for the most part. Either way, yeah. pitcher or double A is the league. Like that, double that A is because yeah. you can even skip triple A these days. Like if you're good enough and you prove yourself at double A, you can skip triple A. Whereas you know we're all old enough to remember when there's that that was not happening. You have no. to go to each step, and you basically had to spend a year in every step. We're in a we're in a whole new world now, where if you crush double A for 80 games, half a season, boom, you're up. Yeah. And it's going to crush guys like Blake Snell who are inefficient. You know, it, it's going it, to, those are the kind of guys who are still young, inefficient, limited in terms of innings. And I think that's, you know, because of the inefficiency when it, you know, pitch counts go up and innings go down, even good starts become mediocre ones because mm-hmm. the whip and ERA become marginalized. So I think that's the, those are the kind of pitchers that it will take a hit on. And offensive players, it, you know, it's the same. It'll, it'll, you know, limit the expectations of the young guys a little bit. Um, you know, I know everyone's excited about Acuna and all that, you know, but you go back and look at, you know, Miguel Cabrera's age 20 season. If he has any, you know, if he hits 260 with, you know, 19 home runs or whatever he did that year, I can't remember the exact stats, but it was somewhere in that thing. Gosh, that's great. But people, you know, I've seen him go in some drafts in like the fourth round that I'm saying to myself, well, you guys spoken like what? I mean, it's one year, guys. <laughs> Got to give a kid some slack. I mean, if he hits a few homers in spring, you know, Acuna will be a top 100 guy without a doubt. Like that's oh, just yeah. go- It's oh, going yeah. to happen and it, it it's going to be insane. I'm curious as to how it treats some of the breakouts. They're not necessarily young guys, but some of these kind of out of nowhere breakouts and not even necessarily out of nowhere, but just surprising whether it was health with like a Tommy Pham or just the development of some solid skills, but not quite prospect elite, uh, like a Chris Taylor. Uh, do you have any idea of what the RPV is saying about those two guys? I do. It tends to hammer those guys unless you can go back and factor in those double A numbers again. Yeah. And you could say, hey, this slash is for real. He just struggled. I'll give you a great for instance. Trey Mancini, right? There's a player. Now, I've owned him in my Dynasty League for four years. I finally promoted him this year, right? And there's a player that every time he hit a level of the minor leagues, he had an adjustment period, then he crushed it. Then and he, he got then promoted, he and he had an adjustment period, and he crushed it. And I love those kind of players because they show that they can make adjustments. And then sometimes we get these guys who like Akuna who played 50 games of AA, 50 games of AAA, and just like there's it's not a long enough sample to see where the adjustment period is or if there was. You know, they that's didn't a great anyone. point. You know, and I think that's the thing you you know how to factor in. So guys like a Taylor or guys like Fam, you know, the black book may or may not crush them depending upon if you can go back and see, yeah, there is a benchmark for this version of Tommy Fam here or this version of Chris Taylor there. And there's a good chance what you saw last year is their ceiling. And if you go into your drafts expecting you know, 80% of what you got last year, that's a good expectation. Where you get into trouble is when you expect the exact identical season for a second year. Or worse yet, extrapolate it into a full season of what they did for 111 games or something. Oh, and the extrapolation. That's my favorite. <laughs> Reese Hoskins. Reese Hoskins. Hey, Reese Hoskins Top hit 700 pick. home runs this year. Oh. My goodness. You, you got to love when a guy's ADP is lower than his games played in the majors. Like, If oh he my goes goodness. one more time ahead of Jose Abreu, I'm going to shiv somebody in the neck. <laughs> We're doing a lot of shiv at this point. And I think it's it's well-deserved shipping. And here's yeah. the beauty. Here's the thing. 
going back to your point about um, the the minor league numbers, like Hoskins does have them. I I don't hate Hoskins. I hate his price. Like I just, I cannot just top 100. You can sell me even with just 50 games played in the majors, but you cannot get me on a top 50. That is insane to me. I just, you know what it is. It's not, it's the same thing. I have this argument with Trey Turner, people who want to take Trey Turner third overall to which I say to them, he's never played a full season. He had Actually, 22 I'm, steals. I'm, group now. I'm now. Oh, I'm getting yeah, I'm, I'm there too. <laughs> That's all right. Hold on, ready? I got. I got one for each of you. Hold on. Double shift. <laughs> Actually, got you got Raphael's side. Yeah, but there's a thing. Now, I understand. I understand what the upside is. I get it. Believe me, I do. In the late first round, even in the middle first round, depending on how deep the league is, I get it. But when you're starting to take him over guys like Arenado, Goldschmidt, guys who do it every year, you're That's telling me that. Trey Turner, who stole 22 of those bases in one year. Trey Turner, who still has like a 650 OPS against lefties. Trey Turner, who's who's going to hit second probably this year instead of first. You're telling me he's going to be that active on the base pass as he was last year, hitting in front of Bryce Harper? You're telling me Bryce Harper is not going to get agitated with him run, trying to run all over the place? I mean, I just think that it's it's a whole different version potentially of what you're getting in Trey Turner and to put him above those other guys benchmark wise there's enough questions where I say yeah I get that he could finish top three I understand that but you're you need him to finish top three if you're going to draft him top three and I think that's too much of a notice to put on him he's certainly getting drafted in a situation where he has to perform there's absolutely no wiggle room when you're taking Trey Turner number four I think for me, I mentioned that I don't like to take the rabbits that are that are power deficient. He's not. I'm actually not. getting power. Uh, I'm getting the batting average. I'm going to get the runs scored, I believe, as well. And I'm not. I'm not extrapolating the stolen bases either, because you do make a, a, a solid point about the 22 in one month. So you can't just take the uh, 45 that he had in 98 games and extrapolate it. We're not extrapolators here. That's just that's that's a great way to get misled on players numbers in a heartbeat but frankly i would take i'll take 15 and 50 for the full year and and a full year for him could be 140 games because of what what we've seen him do in compacted samples in 16 and 17 Uh, because it's not like he just did it last year he also was uh, pretty amazing for 73 games back in 16 but I can't argue anything on the point of track record because he hasn't even played a 100 major league game season yet and that is Definitely something that uh, is inarguable. And if somebody wants to uh, not take him over some of the names you mentioned, by the way, I don't take him over Arenado. He's the four guy for me. It's it's Trout, Altuve, Arenado for me firmly. I do not hedge on that. And I'm I'm very open still to Harper and Correa above Turner, but I I'm also open to Turner at four. So, um, but I I do get all your points there, and I don't think any of them uh, that you can you can. Um, push back on them and say I'm still going to take him, but I don't think you can. Oh yeah, negate. It's, you can't no, negate it, your. It's point not that stuff. you can't take him. It's just that if he doesn't become the guy that you expect, if he doesn't hit the value that you've drafted him at, you're you're in a tough spot. You need Betting some other things up. to work out. Like you, right. you are severely. And and again, I guess that's what the the Reese Hoskins owners could say to me. But I guess my my the why it would be different for me is that. I'm betting on the come with with stolen bases and 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 the rarity of speed as opposed to the rarity of power, which exactly. is not it's it's very it's very valuable or it's very easy to find and uh, that you do need a lot of power, so it's great that he could possibly hit. I mean, I think projections got him for 35, and projections are notoriously conservative. So to put somebody for 35 
says something, but the name that you mentioned, Jose Abreu, there's no universe where I'm not taking Abreu over Reese Hoskins. So I totally oh, yeah. get you uh, on that. Uh, wrapping up a little bit, Joe, where can we get the Fantasy Black Book? Be- well, wait, before, before you wrap it up. Oh, okay. I, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't see your chat there. So yeah, yeah. One last no, no, I, I got one last question. So, so Okay, Columbo, what you got? You've been doing <laughs> this. How many, how many years did you say you've been doing this for? Let's see. 2011. Yeah, this is the eighth year, and this is the uh, see eight three. This is the eleventh black book. All right, does, does bo- being a published well, author that one that one time I got drunk and did basketball. <laughs> oh my god! You did that <laughs> with Bogman and the Welsh, right? <laughs> I did. I let Bogman and the Welsh do it. Tried to push it out there because we had a deal with FanDuel at the time. But you know, it was uh, you know everyone has that one thing where they wake up the next morning and they're like, oh man, I got so hammered and I wrote a basketball book. You know, <laughs> and you look in the bed and like there's Bogman and you're like. Damn it. I He's did. like, hey, guys. <laughs> hey, what's up, guys? What's up? You want to play a little round ball, Joey P? Come on. <laughs> all right, go ahead, Justin. What, what is, what uh, is all right. Point? Does making you a published uh, or becoming a published author make you better looking? Because you're a really good looking guy, and I'm hoping my my you know my book that I'm uh, writing it makes me a better looking guy. I can already tell you no, though. I've published stuff, and and I, I clearly no. doesn't. I'm a well, shining example. So I, I don't I don't know what's the matter. Maybe, maybe it's um the hit and miss thing, and you hit, I miss like every other. Maybe maybe you'll be the next one. Maybe Paul you're is Trey first. Turner. I'm Hoskins. And now, uh, now we're gonna see. We're gonna see uh, Mason is gonna end up being the Francisco Lindor that you said bet on last year, and now he's a now he's a superstar, the Altuve that you were talking about earlier. Uh, I think but, you're both uh, sons of bitches, so I don't know what you're talking. About. I, I know people insult Christian Yelich regularly by saying we look alike, and I, I just think. <laughs> Uh, an amazing compliment for me and just uh, a hate crime against Yelich. But uh, Justin, I mean, the beard that you have on your Skype profile, uh, for you to be worried about how what, how good you look, is, that's that's absurd. That you're beard like an is executioner amazing. from the show Vikings. I mean, your wife is so lucky. Oh, oh there's, oh, there's live. Oh, we just got video. Ladies. Oh, wow. Oh, I wish y'all were enjoying this. You're not <laughs> able to enjoy this right now. Uh, but yeah, so... Now that you, we know that you have published, you're a published writer, because and, and it's turned you into a, a gorgeous man. Where can we get this this wonderful, wonderful book that you and I have been pumping out on our Twitters with regularity? We sure have. We've been whoring, I mean, promoting it very well for the last couple of uh, months. Uh, you can get it on Amazon. There's now the paperback version, uh, which is great. That's really been the game changer because you know it's funny we live in this technological society, but people still want to have the physical book, especially fantasy physical. people. They want they did they, they do they want to they want to fold a page and they want to you know highlight something and or make a note somewhere on it. Uh, plus, it's easy to take into the bathroom. You know that's where it really lives. Um, but you could get it on Amazon for paperback or for Kindle. You can also get it on iTunes as well. And uh, I want to thank all the folks already who have gone out there and supported us this year and every year. It's been uh, it's been really spectacular. And the reviews have been have been nice. I appreciate you bringing me on. I, it's been great being a part of it. Uh, you've built something awesome because the people that have said that they were all, you know, I've been getting this for years now that you're and you're in it. Holy crap. You know, and I was like, dang, that's awesome because uh, you've definitely built a foundation. It's been great. And and hopefully we can hopefully we can have the best one yet. I don't know what the uh, what the target is based on the 11 that you've had, but I want to be part of the top black book. So I'm I gonna like the cut of your jib, young man. I like where <laughs> I'm you're coming continue from. to promote it because I fully believe in it. This is not, you know, I'm not. Not just trying to 
like a, a casual retweet here and there. I'm trying to put out the message. You know, I put in a little bit of my Kevin Gossman stuff today, who was starting and by the way had to leave because he collided with Heimer Candelario, and uh, hopefully his face is all right. Speaking of good looking people, he can't hurt his money maker there, and so uh, you know, I, it's I, not I his arm. Yeah, I've been putting little bits of my profiles in the tweets. So hopefully, I know people are seeing all the fantasy black book tweets, but hopefully we're giving them a little something to go with. You've been putting out the cards. That Ricky Lede card was amazing. Oh, the God. When you attach to it, you need to keep The doing guy it. who won it turned it into not only his, his, his avatar on Twitter, but he also made it his team name. <laughs> something like yeah. Ricky Lede's smile or something no, like you, that. You need to keep doing those. Those are the easiest ones to retweet because everyone loves that. I, I feel like those get the most likes when we do when we do that one. But we'll uh, I want to thank you for being on. And again, thank you so much for including me because it's been it's been a, a great ride so far. And we we're just getting going because March hasn't even hit. Like peak sales season, I imagine begins March first. Yeah. Well, you know, we're in the we're in kind of that peak already because the season's starting a little earlier. So uh, people kind of forgetting that. I think they're all like, oh wait. Season's a, a little bit sooner. Twenty nine, right? Is that opening yeah. day? Uh huh. Wow. Yeah. So uh, yeah, this is this is it. And look, you know, like like you said, you know, the, everybody's done such great work in it, and uh, we all believe in it honestly, which is great because it's 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 really hard to sell something you really don't buy into. But you know, the fact that we all buy into it and the feedback on it's been so overwhelmingly positive, which is great because you know we don't have some major you know site backing us or something like that. This is just a bunch of dudes writing fantasy baseball, and it's it's been well, a fun. We're friends too because you know we didn't get to talk too much about Jake and and Sammy, but we're we're friends with those guys as well. Like right. I. I Huge fans of what they do. Well, I hate Jake, uh, but yeah. Yeah, I was oh, about to say I love Sammy, I love, but oh, Jake, I man. I love Jake, <laughs> Jake, uh, Jake, I, I owe, I owe Jake a beer for for my fantasy football winnings because uh, I read that guy every single week on the fantasy football stuff, and oh, I didn't that. always agree with him, but he always had me thinking. I would make it, you know, I'd be ready to make a fantasy move on on football, and I'd be like. If he was agreeing with me, I felt great. But when I was going against him, I was like, oh, I don't know. And a couple of times I had to go against him. But no, Jake and Sammy are amazing. So uh, Sammy Reed FI and the All In Kid uh, to follow them on Twitter. And was it Joe Pizapia 19? 17. Damn it. I, I wrote Keith it down. Hernandez, baby. I had to go That's by right. memory. That's, I'm a stupid idiot. Uh, Joe, <laughs> you mentioned your FTSY show. Where, where, where can we follow that? And uh, uh, what? There. The the Black Book Show is every Sunday over on FNTSY, 9 a.m. Eastern till noon. Uh, it's been great. We have Tim McLeod on every uh, every single Sunday, too, in the 10 o'clock spot, and we chat with him. We've been going team by team, player by player, breaking Dell down fantasy-wise. It's a fun show. It's George Kurtz and I. And then uh, I'm going to be doing this year for baseball season uh, Facebook Live chats on fan tracks as well as um, interactive stuff and some video stuff for them as well. So I'm uh, – getting uh, acquainted with the fan tracks boys. So that's been a good time too. They've got a good feel about them. I like what they're doing over there. Well, we will have you back on. You can count on that. I know uh, speaking of fan tracks, uh, Justin's doing the great fantasy baseball invitational over there as well. So I'm we love super fan- excited about that. By I can't the way. wait for it to be honest. Uh, love yeah, I, lo- I promote fan tracks anytime I can just, not even that nothing they're not paying me to i just i love fan tracks because if you here's the thing if you have a complicated league you need to be at fan tracks their customer service is a thousand percent unmatched they will they will fix it they will program whatever you need and i think that's what sets them apart sorry i just give them a little advertisement here but joe thank you so much for being on like i said book it you will be on again soon uh hopefully get you on in the first month of the season to talk about some uh some fantasy players say when boys thanks for having me and uh, i'll see you in a couple weeks Peace.